so the news, Lessons and Carols will be this Wednesday, December 13th at 7 p.m. in the Otter Creek Brentwood Sanctuary. Uh, invite a friend and join us for the special service as we celebrate the season. Um, and then today is the last day of regular adult Bible classes for the year. Um, next Sunday, December 17th, there will be a Magi presentation in room 310 with Andy Reid. So this is the last class of the semester. So semester or, you know, fall, wherever we're at here. Um, thanks, everyone, for being like participating and, and walking with us through the wisdom literature. It's been really great. Um, so, um, yeah. Let's pray, and then we can we can get into class. So, um, Lord, thank you for today. We thank you for um, the people in this room, and um, for their willingness to be here and to participate. We thank you for Steve and his willingness to lead, um, guide us as we talk about wisdom. Um, be with us and teach us and. Um, draw us closer to you and closer to Jesus, and um, we thank you for him, and in his name we pray, amen. So we kind of, and like when we have different leaders come in, Steve, we, we like, I'll ask them a few questions kind of at the beginning, just so sure. people, if they don't know you, maybe they can get to know you, so um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're interested in, you know, uh, what things you like, yeah. Uh... Wow. Uh, well, one thing that uh, has been interesting in my life is I've had a 38-year relationship as an employee of Otter Creek's. Uh, Otter Creek, um, I had been in Guatemala working and uh, we had to come back because we found ourselves in the middle of a war. And so... We spent a year and a half here, and at that time, Otter Creek uh, chose me as, as one of their missionaries, and then I went back with my family, my wife, and we spent five years in Belize doing a malaria program and starting churches, and then we moved back to Guatemala and started working there, and uh, then in 2021, uh, we came back unexpectedly. My 12-year-old daughter was kidnapped and rescued, and that brought us back here. <coughs> and then I was asked to be the missionary in residence at Lipscomb for 20 years, which I think I hold a record as far as a missionary in residence goes. <coughs> uh, so I was teaching Bible and uh, missions at Lipscomb, and then in 2018, I retired from the Bible department and engineering, the College of Engineering asked me to come over and direct their Fugeau Center project, which is service building bridges and water programs and solar and everything else overseas, giving our young wannabe engineers a chance to actually put something together rather than just study it. So we got to do that. So I think I have some bragging rights. One of them is, as I know, engineers who have become uh, theology professors. I don't know of any theology professors that make an engineer. So, yeah, yeah, well, well, and the good thing is they don't ask me to do math. So, um, 
so that's kind of our, I mean, my whole, basically my, most of my married life, I've been married to my wife now for 41 years, and, well, actually, this would be, no, 43 years. Uh, and uh, uh, a good chunk of that was working with and in uh, Otter Creek in so many different ways, and um, now we live in Nashville, I have three daughters, and they're married, and I have seven grandkids, and I'm recovering from a full day of working with or being with those seven grandkids yesterday, so, <laughs> in fact, my wife's not here because she came down with a cold, probably from the grandkids. Mm -hmm. So you, that's you are now currently an elder with us, is it? And now I'm, a, <laughs> I'm currently an elder. <laughs> Which, um, yeah. So you haven't really done a lot in your life. No, I haven't no. done a lot. In my life. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious. You, you were talking about, you know, engineering and theology professor, right? So, like, I, how do you see those? Like, how are they related to each other? Like, how does theology inform engineering, and maybe vice versa? Well, I think I think every single vocation that mm -hmm. we can be called into is something that. Uh, I, I would say an engineer who is a disciple of Jesus is as effective in the kingdom of God as somebody who gets called into preaching. <coughs> or I, I think vocation is something that God calls us into and we have a choice of making that something that works in the kingdom or we don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Uh, it's, it's created some really wonderful uh, opportunities for me right now. We're doing water projects in Guatemala and we'll provide water for a village of 700, 800 people. And uh, of course, I think most of you know Kevin Colvett. Kevin's pretty heavily, usually when I'm there, he's there. <laughs> so it's a good thing because he knows how to put the water projects together. But. Uh, we get these opportunities like corporations, like Garney Construction, which is a huge corporation. It's 2,000 engineers all over the United States for water. And, and uh, then all of a sudden they get interested in what we're doing and fund some of our projects in Guatemala. And they'll send engineers down. Some of them labor, some of them aren't. But I kind of like being subversive and having engineers who are not necessarily believers, but then they're working in the kingdom of God doing things that are good for the world. Sure. Yeah. So, and it really leads to a lot of really interesting conversations. Okay. So that's, that's how I see those two things totally blending together. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, like one of the first people in Scripture, and I, I might have said this before at some point in this class, that is told to be filled with the spirit of God mm -hmm. is well Joseph for one, but then it talks about like a like one of the craftsmen for the tabernacle, the building actually, the temple, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it reminds me of like the call of the first command for humanity is to be fruitful and multiply and to rule over the creation, mm -hmm. and so kind of like you know humanity is building something and spreading Eden, right? And like engineering is, is like kind of like bringing order into like the world so yeah. like, that's kind of what it reminded me of but, like while you were talking I just think it's really cool yeah it's kind of nice and, and it's always exciting because I mean like doing the, the water projects um, 
you know, you're doing with those in, in poverty areas that are pretty neglected and you realize that some of those people that you're doing this for, and I should say we do it actually with because they're the ones that have to do all of the labor. Sure. But uh, to realize that there's going to be some of those kids that grow up to be alive and healthy because of the fact that we've cared enough to do that. So uh, that's one of the great enjoyments I get out of life. And the last question before we jump into <coughs> Kind of the proverb that you're gonna, or the proverbs that you're gonna be sharing with us is uh, so you t you kind of talk about how Otter Creek chose you as a missionary, right? So, but you know, why did you, I guess, choose Otter Creek as well? What was like, what about this church? Why are you here? Why are you an elder? Just kind of like, what about Otter Creek is a a place that you want to call home? I think the thing that has impressed me about Otter Creek is and I mean it's 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 a royal mess like every single church is you can't avoid that because we're all humans but the leadership at Otter Creek has always been willing to tackle difficult things and talk about difficult subjects mm -hmm. and we might not get it all right we probably don't. Uh, we're trying to figure out what the mind of God is, and sometimes the mind of God is so much farther beyond us. I still think Jesus is 2,000 years beyond us as far as trying to understand what His calling is and how we fit into it. Um, but I like, I, like the, I like the questions. I like the camaraderie. Uh, I like the brave idea of tackling subjects that are not that are not easy to tackle mm -hmm. and that we don't necessarily it's not going to be easy to come to an answer mm -hmm. you know? and um, and the fact that we've I mean, uh, in my years in Guatemala, especially with my family, you know, we had our, our ups and downs, our struggles and everything else, and Otter Creek was there backing us up the entire time and uh, helping us got to get what we needed in order to survive. Mm -hmm. So. That's great. So, we can, uh, the floor is yours. You can kind of lead us where you wish? <laughs> well, I chose uh, Proverbs 24, uh, verses uh, 3 through 5, I mean 3 through 6. Uh, this is the New International Version, but it says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. I've always understood this as a metaphor for, for marriage. Um, but it could also be a metaphor for building a community of believers together. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I, I think one of the things that uh, 
how it affected me was I didn't get married till I was 28 years old, but and and I have a legacy that I have received from my parents. They were uh, we probably disagreed a lot on some of the ideas about. Uh, specifically about the Churches of Christ, maybe, and some of the struggles and things and all of that rightness. But one of the things that... There, there were two gifts that my parents gave me that I have never forgotten and I've always lived in. One is, is it was obvious to me that my parents loved God. That was never a question. There wasn't uh, inconsistency in the sense of... Um, the way that they lived their lives. They were imperfect and they had their issues and struggles and things, but I knew that they loved God. And that gave me an anchor or a base on which I could build my life. The other thing is, is I never in my entire life ever thought, oh, my parents are going to separate. And again, that was for me a great amount of stability. I know many other people don't have those things and they can still overcome them but for me that was one of the foundations in realizing as I read this that leaving a legacy in our lives is uh, is something that has to be intentional um, and it starts with um, what you become uh, in my marriage, as, as we were going along, we had a lot of struggles, and especially my wife was from Guatemala. She had a different family that was uh, from mine, <coughs> so the dynamics were very different. Um, she had an alcoholic father that was very violent, and that created all sorts of things that uh, I had to get introduced to and realize and, and work with as far as where she was at uh, in her relationship with men. Uh, and she had to adjust to a lot of weird things about me. Uh, one is, is I, I, I avoid conflict if I can. And uh, that worked for a few years, but then getting much into life and working with churches, I realize that sometimes you can't avoid conflict and it's better to approach it at the beginning than try to fix it when it's all messed up. <laughs> so I think just general life gives you wisdom to know and to mature and grow and do things that um, you didn't have the tools to do before. Uh, but. For me, the understanding of this wisdom has to do more with uh, letting God teach us how to love, because I don't think we know how to love very well, and it's, it's in our relationship with God that we learn what it means to love, how to be sacrificial, how to give. Uh, I think the other thing that was so important for me is to learn how to forgive. And forgiveness is one of those things that's really interesting because what really helped me in some situations that were very, very difficult uh, was to realize how many times I failed in my relationship with Jesus. And that if that is, is something that Jesus forgives me, then that implies how much 
I need to exercise forgiveness to others and mercy. And um, one of the things that I think that comes out of this is the only only person I can change in life is me. <coughs> I can't change something in my wife. I can't change something in my children even. They become their own persons. But what I found is part of wisdom, I think, is learning to even imperfectly and certainly making a lot of mess-ups, if, if we strive to be the people that we believe God is moving us towards, then that creates ripples all over the place mm. and allows people to make changes that they might. Um, I remember one time my wife Magda and I were going through some really... We, we did some dumb things. We were, I was directing a medical program in Guatemala that man, I was running all over the country doing all sorts of things. I was also a leader in the church and uh, we had three or four other things that we had going on and I didn't realize it but I was burning the candle at both ends. We were leaving at six o'clock in the morning, coming back at seven, eight at night and my kids were getting neglected and my wife was we were both getting irritated about each other and all of the struggles because we weren't actually spending enough time working through things and um, uh, there came a point when we had to confess that in front of the congregation and that was hard it was really tough and we actually came back on a furlough. I, it was one of those low times in my life. I had a car hijacked and I ended up getting shot. And so I was recovering from that. We were recovering from the fact that we were realizing that our marriage wasn't what we wanted it to be. And uh, Otter Creek let us come back on a furlough. And they actually said, no, you're not going to stay in Nashville. We're sending you to Abilene. Because if you're here, you're going to feel like you need to do something. And so we went to Abilene, got marriage counseling, and I took some courses for a semester. And then they sent us back to Guatemala. And um, that was one of those beautiful things. Of, and that's where <coughs> like Otter Creek has always been a supportive group with us. And the fact that they, they didn't say, well, we're done with you because you messed up and you can't do this. They, they were willing to work through that and we got the help that we needed. Um, and so for me this, this, these verses in 24 are really important. Uh, what's interesting to me is in the last verses it's talking about going to war and you need counsel. Well I think going to war can be a metaphor for a lot of things. Uh, and it seems like Especially for us here in the United States, it's so hard to ask for help when we need it. And yet that is the very thing that can strengthen our relationships, our marriage, that can actually change us is when we seek to be found and expose the secrets that we have in our lives. And those secrets then lose power because of the fact that we're working in a community together. 
so it's not, you know, I, I can't say there's anything in my life that I actually planned out that turned out exactly like it was supposed to. Um, but what's interesting is, is, you know, we, I moved to Guatemala to work there, found ourselves in the middle of a war. We had to come out because five of the seven villages that we were working in were burned to the ground and the people were either chased off or killed. So I came back and then we found Otter Creek and we went back to Belize. We worked there for five years and then Guatemala calmed down. But none of those, all of those situations, including the kidnapping that brought us back to the States, were not things that fit into what I had planned. But the interesting thing to me is, is that even, I think we probably learn more if we're willing and open to, to learning from God. We learn more in the difficult things than we do in the easy things in the struggles that we have to go through. Um, the kidnapping and the loss of my child uh, for a while um, uh, was one of those things that also made me realize what it meant to God the Father in His relationship with the Son and the depth of that. Um, I had not, I could not identify with that emotionally until that happened. And then when my child was rescued, one of the amazing things was it, was, it was done in a gun battle, all sorts of different things had happened, and it was one of those situations where it was apparent that God was at work in her rescue. Uh, we had close to 21,000 people praying for us during that time, including Otter Creek. Um, and she was rescued, and now she's married, and three of our grandkids live here in Nashville. But it was... Going through those things made me realize how important it is to learn from the hardships that we have and how God can use those. One of the things that happened in that that uh, was totally astounding to me. I, our family, when that happened, we had PTSD. We didn't realize it at the time. We didn't even know how to name it. We came back and had counseling here. But one of the things that was interesting is, in Guatemala, on the same day that my child was kidnapped, there were three other kidnappings, mm -hmm. and none of those turned out well. Um, and so we had interesting things that happened because we had embassy personnel, we had police that were with us because we had to go through a trial and everything else and they were traveling with us. And these people kept coming to us for questions about God because they viewed this as being a extraordinary event that my child was rescued in the way she was. And all we wanted to do was survive. Sure. But then it got to the point where it was so absurd about people asking us what it was with us and Jesus that we realized that God was taking a bad situation and turning it into a good one. And so finally we threw up our hands and said, okay, God, do with this what you want to do. And one of the things that I've learned in life 
and that's the part that I like in this is the rooms that we create uh, in our homes or our house <coughs> are the treasures that are uh, art art pieces. Mm. And many times it wasn't the plans that we had, like seeing patients, doing clinics, sharing Jesus and stuff. It was when God opened our eyes to see what was happening around us that we hadn't even seen before. Uh, I've told this a couple times, but I think it's really an important one for me, is we were doing, we were seeing, uh, and I was a director of a medical clinic, we were seeing 22,000 patients a year. Uh, and so we were having all of these people who needed surgeries, but they didn't like to go to the Guatemalan hospitals because there was an awful lot of prejudice against the Indians, the Mayans. And uh, so we decided to start taking surgeons down. And they would go down and we'd have like 22 surgeries set up and we'd do those surgeries and we had a nice uh, surgical facility to do that in. But my wife had to train uh, some cooks, Mayan cooks, so that the surgeons wouldn't get sick while they were down there. And uh, about six or seven years ago, uh, the director who took my position from there was up here for a meeting and he, uh, he said, you remember that one of those cooks had a nine-year-old girl and she was chopping up vegetables and stuff with her mom? And I said, yeah, I remember her really very plainly. And he said, she's one of the medical doctors for the clinic now. And she had seen all of the doctors, the women doctors, the women dentists, the nurses, and everything else, and she got the idea, I can do that. And that's like one of those uh, pieces of artwork that God said, you were doing this, but I was actually doing this. And I've experienced so many things like that, of where I thought we were going in one direction, and we were, and we did some good, but God was doing some other things in there that was filling our house with all of these amazing treasures. Uh, I'll tell one more story and then we'll open it up. Uh, we had, uh, because of what we were doing and our travels and everything else, we, we, it was very common for us to, to have a, a, a live-in maid to help with our kids. And uh, so we hired this young lady, she's I think 16, to come live with us. And she was, uh, it's quite a story and I don't have time to tell all of it, but she had uh, been pushed down a mountain when she was two. Part of her face had uh, experienced a hematoma, so it didn't quite grow right, and so she had uh, a disfigured face and everything and she was just miserable and even now she tells us she was even thinking it'd be better if she wasn't alive. But we got her in and she started working. She, When we first came she wouldn't even talk to me. She'd just look at the wall and uh, and probably my girls, my three girls brought her out faster than anything else. So she became this incredibly 
vivacious person as far as just her personality, the way that she works. We actually brought her here to the States to get some surgeries on her face when we came back because of the kidnapping. And now she is the matriarch for her family in Guatemala because her visa was eventually rejected. And again, one of those things that we were going this direction, but God was also doing these other things that we couldn't see. And I think that's the wisdom, uh, part of that wisdom uh, of love and mercy and things, and is just looking to see where God's working. And uh, we've been privileged to realize that He's actually allowed us to be part of that. And uh, I, I think having that direction in life of just being open to where God is working, open to confession and uh, growth and realizing that the only people that we can possibly change is ourselves has blessed us greatly and has created um, a house with a lot of treasures in it, some of them we haven't even seen yet. Sure. So, anyway. Comments? Thoughts? I have one question, and then we'll toss it. I, I, it's deep, I think the story is deeply profound and moving. And, and like, I, I think what you're presenting is, like, you, you had a lot of, like, there's just a lot of things that have happened in your life that you have been able to, like, reflect on and look back and, like, see where God was moving in those mm -hmm. spaces. And, like, yeah. I think different people might en encounter those spaces and, like, it sounds like for you, you were able to give it time and, and let, like, things soften your heart towards God. And someone else might encounter something like that and their heart, their heart might harden and they might turn away. So, what, like, what is... What was able to, like, turn you towards God every time, like, in these moments? What was... I think one of the things, um, and I can't say that I, in the crises that we've experienced in my marriage or in my ministry, sure. there are things that I have enjoyed that are not. Right. <laughs> in fact, sometimes they're pure terror. Uh, but one of the things is, to reflect back and see where God is was working in that. I don't believe God ever creates those moments, but He does allow those moments. And uh, one of the great secrets for me in my marriage is because we had some difficult things we had to work through, um, and we were willing to work through them, both parties. Mm -hmm. um, it has made our marriage so much deeper than if we had ignored those. In fact, it had the potential of actually causing us to split and divorce. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm thankful for the difficult times. I'm thankful for the difficult issues I'm thankful for confession. I'm thankful for 
realizing how God can actually take imperfect lives and make them into, uh, or transform them, maybe. So, for me, I don't like the difficult times. I don't enjoy them at all. In fact, sometimes it just makes me feel extremely vulnerable. But I've never felt that there was, a, there was not a way out. That if we could work through this together, or if we could work through this in our ministry, that God would bless it. And, and I believe that's the case. And I think some people just give up too soon. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't times when people do need to give up and let go. Right. But for me, uh, it was tackling those deep issues in our lives that, that made our relationship and made our relationship with our kids uh, better. It, it brought about healing. found balance during uh, doing what I, I assume would be kind of an all-consuming career in ministry um, with, with family stuff, whether it be quite what it is. Learning to let go of things. Um, I think part of it was the realization finally that it wasn't it wasn't dependent on me, it was dependent on what God was doing in the world. And there are points where he would invite me to come in and work with him, but it wasn't on my shoulders. Uh, and I probably didn't do it very well. <laughs> One thing I'm thankful for is kids grow up in spite of us and turn out pretty good. <laughs> but. Um, one of the things that, and especially now, is, is I'm, I'm 71 and aging and realizing is, is learning to let go of things and hold them lightly. Um, and the beauty of that is realizing that even the stuff that you're doing, that, that God is going to raise somebody else up to do what you've done and that you're part of it, but you're not all of it. And that is helping. Well, and I like that. That answer is its kind of like, like there's a difference between letting go, like kind of like you're talking about, which is I think is kind of like, what I'm understanding is that it's like understanding what you're, what's in your control and like what's out of your control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking of kind of like the serenity prayer, which is like, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. But there's a difference between that posture and then like burnout, which is like you just check yeah. out, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't, there's a difference between those two things, right? And so I guess doing this helps you avoid burnout, right? Which I just think it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think, I think we value ourselves sometimes too much. Sure. <laughs> it's like, like, God's been doing this for a long time. He can put people in there that... <laughs> yeah. He can replace us. It's totally. not like we're irreplaceable. Uh -huh. uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't do what we can do yeah. and, and allow Him to work and 
Yeah, what is David Knox? What, David Knox used to tell the middle schoolers, you're not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but what is fascinating to me is, is the older I get, the more these little stories pop up about people that in some way we've had a little bit of influence that we didn't even know about and how that changed them. Mm -hmm. and, and then you realize, yeah, yeah, we were doing this stuff and we were, it all was good, but maybe God was actually doing something else beyond that. And, I'm thankful for that because I'm sure glad that it didn't depend on us completely. Because that's too heavy of a burden to carry. And I love the fact uh, in these last verses the idea of no matter what you're doing, uh, having wise counsel is very useful, very important. And that means sometimes revealing the parts of you that need to be revealed. So, yeah. I have another question, but I wanted to, if other people have questions. So speaking of the wise counsel <coughs> verse, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Like, as a therapist, often we try to, like I, I'm, I work in therapy and so like helping couples kind of like, premarital couples or just couples in conflict, right? Um, we try to help them see that their fight is not necessarily with each other. It's with kind of like the dynamic that's between them. It's, it's, we're trying to like externalize the problem from between the two of them. And like, you know, people are not the problem. The problem is the problem. That's kind of one of the sayings that we have, mm -hmm. right? So I'm wondering like shifting maybe, because a lot of couples think they're waging war against each other, right? But maybe they're waging war against Like, I mean, Paul would say, like, our fight is not with flesh and blood, but it's, like, with the principalities and the powers of this world, right? So, like, I wonder if just the idea of going to war together as, like, a, a couple or, like, a, a partnership, seeing you guys as partners instead of enemies, I guess, is that, like, yeah. what is your experience with that? Well, until we moved back to the States, uh, and of course now my wife works in Cool Springs and I'm over at Lipscomb occasionally and semi-retired, uh, our ministry was a partnership. We were always mm -hmm. working together. We did different things when we were working together, but, but uh, it was always more we complimented each other as far as what we were doing. She's, yeah. She was fantastic with children. I worked a little better with adults, and mm -hmm. um, the I, I I don't know. You know, part of it is the conflicts that we have within ourselves are the conflicts that we usually end up extending to others around <laughs> us. 
And so I, the thing that's helped me in that, I think more than anything else, was just to realize that the only thing that I can change, that, I'm, that I have power to change, is my attitudes, sure. my way of looking at things, mm-hmm. facing my frailties. And generally, if I could change that, then it would bring the relationship into a perspective. But that takes two people, too. I mean, you totally. can't do it by yourself. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think probably most conflicts in churches or anything else, sometimes it's not the conflict itself. It's the, it's the preconceived ideas that we have about each other the way that, well, I mean, we're in a time period where if people don't think like we do, then they're the enemy. <laughs> yeah. And when you start getting into that, then there's that's a vicious cycle that mm-hmm. is, is self-destructive. And I think that's what you're saying, too. Sure, yeah. In, in counseling is if you can help them see a way to work together instead of this is the enemy, then you got a long way to win the battle. Sure. Yeah, guidance can kind of break into that yeah. idea of, of villainizing, I guess, the other. Is it end at 45 or, or 50? I think it's technically 45, but... <laughs> technically, we're pretty, we're pretty loose in here with the, yeah. the let out. Uh, <laughs> I also don't hear people in the hall. Right, right, right. <laughs> so we got a, a, just like a couple minutes if there's any last like thoughts or questions. find it easier to be in ministry at a church here or in the mission field for you personally? Well, on the mission field I was generally working with new Christians and their lives and things were I think so much more raw and the issues were so much more apparent and I think the difficulty here and I was with a group of elders praying through the 300 and some prayers that we asked for last Sunday and there's an awful lot of hurt in this family and usually in, when, with, with first time Christians it's that hurt that's driven them to look someplace else, and so it was more apparent and easier to deal with. I won't say easier to deal with, but it was more apparent, and they were more open about it. And it seems like the real struggle here is we don't create a community that trusts each other enough to open up, and yet the hurt's here. And I, I think that's the difficulty uh, in this is, is 
creating those communities or those groups that can really give wise counsel together and and I mean it's all of us all of us are have our struggles uh, and we need to be able to share those with some people that we can have trust and confidence in. Um, so yeah, in some ways it's harder here, I think. Uh, but it, I, you know, Satan's at work everywhere. <laughs> presents in different ways. He presents in different ways, but I, it, it is more difficult, I think, when you have people who have lived in a whole Christian environment all their lives, but it really hasn't penetrated in the sense of of actually trying to be called into discipleship. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing. Would you be willing to close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Father, we are we're so grateful for yeah, your wisdom. Uh, I would be the first to say that I did not know how to love. I did not know how to extend mercy and grace, and I'm still learning those things. And we're all in the same boat on that. Um, it's only you that can teach us what it means to love, how to give grace, and how to be merciful, and how to confront and confess. Um, and I just pray that for each person here, Father, in their growth, uh, that you will bless them, that you will move them, that you will be in their lives, that your spirit will be working within them, and that they can find the people that they need to that uh, can give wise counsel. And of course, in all of that, we look to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <coughs> and then just a, a last reminder, this is the last class today. If you will be, if you're looking for something like at class time next week, um, the Magi presentation, which is going to be in room 310. So... And I will say I've heard that it's pretty good. It's really an interesting. Uh, it, it it involves astronomy and science and and a lot of different things. <coughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you.